Hi, this is Martin J. Weiss, uh, also known as Marty Weiss, and uh, my new book that is coming out this month is called Flamingo Coast. It's a financial crime thriller about a former IRS agent who gets an opportunity to go off the grid to a place that harbors some of the biggest financial criminals in the world, and she infiltrates that place and learns a whole bunch of things about the criminals as well as herself. I'm Jeffrey Price. I wrote Improbable Fortunes. 2016. Uh, it's a, a book about small town Western life and how it survives. And it's sort of a, a murder mystery in a way, but it's mostly a satire about small town Western life. Cool. Uh, I'd like to start actually, because uh, I have a pressing question, which is, are the rumors true that there's going to be a sequel to who, who uh, framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, there's always that rumor, but uh, and we wrote uh, we wrote the sequel, but Disney decided that they didn't want to make it. And, oh, really? Uh, that's where it sits. Wow, it was a great movie. And uh, so, Jeffrey, you haven't said anything about it, but uh, you're you're known for some classic films, uh, also the uh, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas and Shrek Three and a whole bunch of others. So. Uh, how was the transition from writing those types of uh, screenplays to a novel? Well, it's a lot different, as, as you can imagine. Uh, I mean, the whole idea about action is character. That, that sort of, that, that idea has been taken to ad nauseum in movies. There's, there's not a lot of character in, in movies. Uh, it's mostly action, because that's what, you know, that's how, what people are used to seeing on the screen in front of their eyes, and even more so these days. So writing a book was a very kind of ex expansive kind of relief from writing movies. You, know, you have to, you could spend a lot of time with characters. And in my case, uh, my book is written from an omniscient observer standpoint. So I really was able to say what was in people's minds, which I enjoyed immensely. That's an interesting choice for you, too, because uh, point of view is such a big thing with novels. And, and yeah, I, I find I came from a film background, too. And I, I think one of the things uh, we both know is that it, it's much more of a collaborative experience. And so did that have something to do with why you chose to write a novel? Well, yeah. I mean, people in the movie business always say that, you know, in a kind of a cheery way, what a collaborative process it is <laughs> and uh <laughs> as if it's a good thing right like as if it's a good thing and I, I i never really thought it was that great of a thing uh i mean there's so many people involved and especially in the beginning when i worked at the studios a lot i mean there were a lot of studio executives involved and i was fortunate to work with a director on roger rabbit who had a tremendous amount of power because of his hit movies. Right. And uh, it really spoiled me because after that, I realized that very few people have that kind of power. And hardly anybody has that power now because the movie business has gone in a different direction. Yeah. So the collaborative process, you know, I always tell people that uh, first, uh, you know, when you hear, the, the person who's who that studios hired the director, you kind of go, oh, gee, they hired him. Then 
when the director cast the movie, you're thinking, oh, that's kind of not how I saw that part being played. And then it just keeps going. And then you start, you see the dailies and you go, oh, geez, that's pretty bright. Uh, why did he shoot it like that? And then, you know, so really it, it pushes you to either fish and cut bait and try to be a director yourself or kind of find some other ways to, you know, get your work across. But it's, it's difficult. Well, it's almost impossible. When you, when you sit down with a blank page and you create a world and, and you write something, it, there's no way it's going to translate in the same way that an interpretive artist, such as a director, is going to look at it. And, and that's not even his job. He's supposed to make it better. And you've worked with some strong directors who have, uh, I'm sure, made it better or contributed quite a bit. But it's 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 a very difficult process, and and it and it same goes with when it goes through editing or any any of the next phases. You have a new a new new eyes on it, and it changes. And sometimes miracles happen, and something gets better and stronger. But when you start out as the the writer, or the original creator, it's almost always going to be different. I, at least that's my experience. Well, yeah, I mean, there was a reason why uh, I think it was Harry Cohn who referred to screenwriters as schmucks with Underwoods. Right. He just had, they just had people in in rooms churning out movies. Right. And, you know, there there wasn't any kind of uh, proprietary aspect to, you know, their work. I mean, I mean, people were attracted to it. Even famous novelists and playwrights were attracted to the movie business because it paid a lot of money. And, and it still does more than anything else. But there's nothing like when you write a book and someone comes up to you and starts telling you about a certain thing that you wrote and how it you know, touched them or how they noticed it or what they thought about it. And you get some, sometimes you get that when someone has seen one of your movies. But it's, it's much more rewarding for me anyway. Well, you're filling it out in the novel. You're you're completing it, whereas screenplays are so sparse, and they it might be in your head uh, all the details. And we write backstories and and biographies and all those things to to know our characters, but it doesn't necessarily go on the page. But in a novel, it, it can and it usually does. And you take more time with it, and it's 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 much more of a you know a you know full and fulfilling experience. Um, well, What's Let that? me ask you something, Marty. Yeah. Uh, I read your book, and I enjoyed it very much. Uh, and I, I thought, well, it looks like Marty's trying to put together a uh, movie series here. Are you trying to do that? You know, th- this particular idea uh, marinated for a long time, and it has, has taken different iterations. Uh, it even started with a male protagonist and turned into a female <laughs> protagonist. And... Um, I, I didn't set out to make it a series or a TV idea, that, but it could be because of the, the nature of um, the main character that, that uh, you know, how she starts, how she ends, and, and uh, you know, where that type of story can, can keep going. But that was not my intention for it. Um, the, the idea for it came from, from really from the, the nature of her character who starts out as an IRS agent and my question of why did she become an IRS agent? What motivated somebody like that to do that? And she gets fired early on in the book and, and, and goes off to pursue what really did motivate her. And since you've read it, I won't, I won't spoil it for everybody else, but that, that, um, 
that and the connection to her father was really um, the story I wanted to tell. And I did see it as a movie at first, um, admittedly. I kind of like it. I really like it as a book. And I, and I, what I, as per the, what we were just saying, I like that it feels very complete um, as is. So um, it has been optioned a couple times, and and if it does get made into the movie, that would help the book and vice versa. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mind that. But um, I, I kind of look at, I look at this as as the completed version right now. Well, you know, one of the things that I, one of the things that I was interested in about your book, and I thought. Uh, I thought that it had a little bit of something to do with the book that I wrote was, you know, your book kind of deals with uh, the reinvention of people, the reinvention of, and, and uh, in the West, the, the West is, is very much about the reinvention of people who came to escape something. And now they're in this other place where nobody knows them and they, they can be, they can reinvent themselves into this other thing. And I've always been interested in that idea myself. And you, yeah, like second, your theme of second chances and that that sort of thing. And and um, yeah, and, and being in a different place. Yeah, because mine has the uh, the thing about people changing their identities, and and yours uh, in the West. One thing about your book, though, that that um, was obvious to me is your your sense of humor translated, and you do have a unique sense of humor from at least the movies. And we said they're a collaboration, but that that unique sense of humor did translate to me into your, into your writing. Is that something, I guess that's our voice, you know, is that, that, that is unique and, and you can't get away from it. Do you like to change tone or do you like to write in this vein? Well, I, uh, I think that that book is going to be that, that my, the, the book that I'm working on now is probably going to be less, balls out funny uh i mean the thing about the thing about the west is that it's it can, you know you can understate the humor of it because it, it everything is so absurd out here uh and i think that that i think that book had a particular tone that i don't i don't know if it, if i'm going to continue with that but i just felt like that suited the subject matter you know, when you say you're out there, where are you? Where are you? Well, I live. I live in Colorado, and okay. uh, so the book start the, the the genesis of this book started because I I volunteered to be a deputy sheriff reserve uh, about 15 years ago, and uh, I worked as a as a deputy out in the county, and you know I'd come home at night and I'd write down what had happened to me on the road that night or some sort of domestic dispute and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. But I thought I, the one thing I, my takeaway was that people don't realize what small Western towns, all those places you drive through, you know, and you just kind of look for a clean gas station or, you know, you, you know, you're not going to eat there and you're just driving through and you're thinking, gee, it doesn't look like there's anybody living in this town. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of towns like that. And then the other thing was that I felt like American West had a sort of romanticized patriotism mixed with violence. And uh, I thought, well, how could I express that? So that, that's what got me thinking about writing this book. Uh, 
because it's it's so unique. I, I'm still interested in small town life because America has a lot of it and it's still alive, barely. <laughs> well, did did you live in Hollywood at, at some point? I did. I lived in Los Angeles for 14 years. Okay, and and, and your move was that for your writing to inspire your writing, or just because you couldn't stand the culture in Los Angeles? Well, you know, I, well, I lived in Chicago, and then I, I moved out to uh, Los Angeles, and I never really liked it. Uh, I didn't like it as much as I, I liked living in Chicago. And then when I got married and had kids, uh, I didn't really want to raise my kids in Los Angeles, so that's when we moved to Colorado. That's an interesting choice. I, I'm originally from Chicago. I grew up there. Where'd you grow up? Uh, in Chicago, on the north side. Uh huh. And uh, then I went to school in New York, and then I came out to Los Angeles about 20 years ago. So uh, and now I live outside of Los Angeles by the by the beach, which is a, a smaller town uh, feel. Which is the same reason for you. I, I moved here. Uh, it's a better place for my kids. I have young kids. Well, you know, it's the weather's nice. <laughs> that's all people could say now it's, it's it's reduced to that and it, and it, it has changed a lot since you were here and um as as you had mentioned the, the movie business has and and movies have gotten bigger but more bombastic and uh more to appeal to a international audience and all that so they're they're really and and tv's changed significantly as well so everything's a, a little different yeah i think that I think TV has changed and, and, and streaming and Netflix and Amazon, that, that is really the way, to, you know, the way of the world now. I mean, the movie, the movie business is, is relinquished a lot to the uh, streaming services. Yeah. How, how did you like the, the comparison going from uh, the movie business, to the publishing business and how they treat your content and that sort of thing. It is a little different. Well, you know what? My favorite thing was, um, going on my, my book tours and, and going to these small bookstores. Uh, I loved that. And I, I loved the people who had the bookstores. And I, I just felt like, wow, these, these people are righteous. And I thought, gee, you know, there's, there's probably more people who are readers than people who are in the NRA. So that's a good thing. <laughs> people, people, you know, people are, are reading books. And people have book clubs and they talk about books and they're excited about books. And most of the dinner parties that I go to, people are talking about the books that they've read and not necessarily or or they're talking about some new Netflix show. Yeah, I hear a lot of a lot about the streaming shows. But they're not talking about the latest movie they saw in a movie theater. That is not the coin of the realm any longer in terms of in our culture. It's, you know, it's really incredible because when, when you ask people and, and it's uh, it's the award season, you get the screeners and you look at all the movies and you say, wow, I've only seen three. I only want to see three or four of these. And then if you talk to people about them, people have not seen the movies. I don't know. And I've been to a lot of uh, movie theaters that are empty, but I, apparently they're still making money. So they're making money somehow. Maybe maybe the ticket prices are so high. Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they're making money because they they do have these big, you know, Spider-Man movies and things like that. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that's, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the cliche. But the other thing is that if they go to Cannes and they, they, they pick up a movie that was financed by somebody else and they're going to relieve them of that financial pressure by giving them, you know, 10 or $15 million for their movie, 
and then they release it. That's that's also a, a good way for them to make money because people do like those movies, except the studios don't know how to develop them or, you know, they, they don't know what to do with something like that until they see it. Yeah. And it's how people consume it because they, you know, many people might hear something and they just wait to see it on Amazon Prime or Netflix and, and see it next year or whatever. Well, someone had, you know, someone I was talking to had a funny thing. They said that we were talking about Roma and what, you know, how, how it really looked uh, great in the movie theater versus watching it on television. And then someone said, yeah, I have a friend who said, yeah, I just really want to watch it on my phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how people absorb content. They don't get that experience. And, but, you know, the quality of images are so good now that they can watch it on, on their phone pretty clearly. But you're not getting that, um, you know, that experience of people watching together and the response and seeing it on a big screen and the sound and everything. So that's kind of, especially on the newer generation, kids do not care about that. And they don't seem to, maybe, maybe for some of the big specialty movies, but it doesn't seem to be the, the thing anymore. And, you know, that that's changed. That experience has changed. But it, it is kind of neat to see that books have, you know, endured. And I think you're right about them being very popular in a, in a niche way. You know, people have, you know, suspense thrillers they love or romance novels or this. And there are all these different you know, subcultures and there's so many books. And as you know, how hard it is to write just one. It's amazing how many books keep coming out every day. I know it is amazing. And you know what? I think that in the original boilerplate from the publishing business, they, they, they missed an opportunity because a lot of movies take their content from books. They buy books, they option books, but most of the big publishing companies they never wrote a they never really wrote a contract where they had the ownership of the property that they they would then sell to the movie business so, you know they they didn't, they didn't really participate in that and i think you know it, it has something to do with the health of the publishing business because they don't have really uh any skin in the game when these properties are picked up by by another another platform I sort of feel like they got jaded early on because they knew how improbable it was uh, to get a, to get a book made into a movie. It was like a one in a million, and they just don't bank on it, <laughs> you know. And if it, and if it does get made into a movie, you know, it, it increases book sales. Um, but you're right. Now that now that we have all these streaming things, and they're looking for content, and and books would translate really well to long form TV because. It just does. It's just kind of a similar process. Well, the good, see, the thing about a book and its attraction to a movie studio is that it, when they read it, they, they get the full, you know, the full import of all those characters. Yeah. And, they, you know, they get to see the whole thing fully formed. And then, of course, adapting it is, is another challenge. But they, they, they get to at least see it in a book. They can at least see it, and it's like how people show sizzle reels now and try to sell their idea in a way that people can envision it, except it's, it's – I think the Hollywood mentality is still – you know, they look at a property as how well has it done somewhere else. So if a book does big numbers, then, then they may be interested, and then it, then it becomes pre-existing you know, material or whatever. But, um, 
you know, they're not necessarily reading for how it would translate into a visual story as much. At least that's what I, the sense I get. Yeah. Well, you, you might know that better than I, uh, I, I do know that these books show up on people's desks and, you know, they'll go, Hey, what do you think of this book? Is there a, is there a movie in this? I mean, right. it's hard to, it's hard to adapt a, a book too, because that, that's a, another whole challenge. And especially if you, if you do get a popular book, then you've got a readership that has a certain uh, affection for that material. And if, and you've got to be careful not to disappoint them in the movie, because if you, write a movie adaptation and, and, and you have all these people who, uh, who are aficionados of it more than you probably, you, you, you could get killed. You can. And, and, and the old adage always was, it's, you know, the, the movie's never as good as the book. And that's, uh, it's not, not always true, but it, ha- in most cases, the book or the movie has to be different than the book because the point of view is going to change. And, you know, you have to condense it in some ways, and it, it 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 has to translate in a way that is cinematic. So some books do it more easily than others, of course. You know, but uh, it it you know when you when you fill out a book, when you really complete a book, you you are really thinking through the story fully, and you know a lot of it's very very developed. Whereas when, as you know, when you start with a screenplay, you know it may go through many, many rewrites, but when it, as soon as it goes into real development, it goes through many, many more, always. You know, it's almost always that they, they try almost every which way after the fact. So, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I did a lot of rewrites in, in my time, and, 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 and my writing partner and I would, you know, get a stack of the rewrites from the studio, and they would say, well, you know, what do, you know see what you can do with this. And we would always say, can we see the original one? Because the original screenplay was always the best one. Right. And there would be, there would be three or four iterations of this screenplay. And, and, and honestly, each time, each iteration lost something. And that, you know, they, they were so close with the first one. And uh, lots of times we would say, hey, listen, our advice is to go back to the first one. And they would go, really? That, that, you, don't, you don't think that the third one is better than the first one? No, not really. <laughs> and they, they would go, gee, you know. Well, people in a development room think, you know, that a good idea comes out. It may be a good idea, but when you try it, it doesn't necessarily work. And, and sometimes you're just, you know, trying things that the writer has already tried and didn't work as well. So it, it, it's, it's a tough process, and it can, it can be very frustrating at, at times. It really, uh, you know. And when it works, it's great. Well, you know, one of the things that, you know, when you'd read or you'd hear what the studio executive had in mind for this next rewrite, you'd think, gee, you know, he just saw this movie that's out just now, and, and it's a hit movie. And, and that idea that he or she just said is, is, is trying to bend this script a little bit toward that movie that this person just saw that's a hit. Right. So it it always had that kind of flavor to it. You could kind of see what they were trying to make it into. Right. But you know, I you know, I uh I wrote well my partner and I we optioned the rights to uh Last Holiday, which was a movie made in nineteen fifty in nineteen fifty with Alec Guinness, and we we had it for like twenty five years until finally someone said uh do you, do, would you guys make this into a woman? This is apropos of you making your IRS 
<laughs> and we said, yeah, okay, well, yeah, that would be great, you know, because Queen Latifah at that time was not a movie star, or not, not very big, but she was a very authentic personality in the media. And we thought, oh, yeah, we'll do that. So we, we wrote it for her. And, uh, but th that was a happy kind of ending, whereas there's other ones where, you know, you're at the studio and they say, could this, be, could this person be a, you know, could it be a woman? Could it be a, uh, I mean, could we have a dance number like they do in the Indian uh, movies? Right. Do you remember that um, Kevin Bacon movie, The Big Picture, years yeah, ago? I, he, it's a story where he gets out of film school and he's, he's an instant success. And he's, he's in the room and he, he says, here's the movie I really want to do. And it, it, it's, you know, it's a love triangle and a little cabin in the winter, you know, and they're stuck there. And then you, you see the cabin and you see the three characters and the studio exec says, uh, you know, does it have to be winter? And then it turns into a, a beach party. And then, you know, does it have to be two guys and a girl? Can it be two girls and a guy? And it turns into, a, you know, menage a trois. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that, that is the way it is. I don't, I don't know if it's that way anymore because I don't think the studios develop uh, the way they used to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, you know, I think it depends on the type of property. You know, we've been talking for years about the middle range movie getting squeezed out, you know, the, the more independent and, and, you know, unique things. And, and you have mostly the, the big budget stuff and then, you know, the small stuff that, that gets picked up. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a completely different experience. And um, I, I guess in the last five or six years, everybody's attention really has turned to TV. You know, even even you know the great actors and the great directors. Yeah, TV is great. I mean, Roma is is really a, a beautiful film, but also my brilliant friend. Uh, you know, on uh, I guess it's Netflix. You know that that is fantastic. Have you seen that? That's I have not seen that Italian. one. Well, it's in Italian uh, okay. with subtitles, and you know. Uh, uh, it's just actually, in a lot of ways, I think it's be a better movie, or it's ten parts. But I thought it was fantastic. That's neat. Babylon, um, did Babylon, you see Ozarks? Babylon Berlin is like that too. I, I've heard good things about it. That's on my list to check out. I, I just watched uh, Ozarks, and I thought with uh, Jason Bateman, I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, well, that that's about a guy reinventing himself. Yeah, sure is. And he started in Chicago too. Oh, is that right? The, the character and the story. He started oh, right. as a, uh, I think he was in finance, and then he went into the uh, backwoods uh, drug business. But it's 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 pretty cool, especially season one. Yeah, well, you know that. I think that people really they like that the the voyeurism of looking in on someone who is reinvented themselves is sort of in the back of almost everyone's mind. Yeah, I think it's in the back of a lot of men's minds. Well, life is longer, right? So we <laughs> we we have we have different iterations we want to go through. To, to yeah, life, life is longer, and 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 you're always thinking, what would I be like if I live if I could start over again in Argentina and nobody knew me? Yeah, that that was my story <laughs> and your story. Going to the 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 wild wild west, right? Where you know you you almost can't once you're there. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, there are millions of stories of people who've reinvented themselves in my area. You know, they, they'll they say, you know, that they're this or that, or there's nobody checking on it. 
you know? And right. there's nobody asking a lot of questions in some towns. So well, you, it's, like, you, it's like everything else too. Like the internet makes everybody so exposed, but it also makes us like ants in an anthill, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much data out there and so many, so much, uh, you know, confusing information. It's almost harder to access things, but you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, different because of that. And your privacy is, is, is exposed and it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Well here, you know, I live in a town that's only got about 2,500 people and gossip is, is the coin of the realm. You know, if you, if you do something or say something, it'll be all over town in, in, in a day because well, people here like to pass it around, you know, then, then tell them you just wrote a book. Yeah. You know, I actually, my, the town has supported me with, with the book. They, they've been great. Well, there's something nice about a, a smaller area when you, when you have any creative endeavor, you know, because when you're living in LA or New York, everybody has 10 things going on, but in a smaller town, people find it more interesting and they're a little bit more, uh, they're more interested. Well, I'll, I'll go better than that. Actually, Marty is that in Los Angeles, people really want to see you fail. <laughs> yeah. Well, and everybody's screaming the loudest and the self promotion is, is like, you know, expected in everybody. Well, when you go to a, when you go to a screening, an industry screening, you can feel the vibe in the movie theater is that everyone is kind of hoping that it's not going to be as great as what everybody's been saying because they, they would like to, <laughs> they would hope that it isn't. Especially if they passed on the project. Yeah, that, that's right. Actually, did you see uh, Bohemian Rhapsody yet? I did. Yeah, I just saw that. I love the, uh, the, the, the music manager, you know, that passed on, uh, on, on the song and, and his face later on when they were doing Live Aid. That was pretty cool. Yeah, well, that's that. That's really uh, revenge porno when that can happen. Yeah, right. Hey, I'll tell you what was an interesting movie was the Melissa McCarthy picture. Haven't seen that. That's the one I haven't seen yet, and I hear good things. Well, because you know she's a writer and she's obviously very smart and she's talented, but her and her personality kind of gets in the way of her getting published and getting having a success. And I thought that I thought that that was probably the most realistic portrayal, because not only was it a good portrayal of a writer, but it was written in a very intelligent way. So you felt like, you know, you kind of felt like you were inside baseball with her, that you, you know, you were there in New York. And uh, it just it was very cleverly written. And, and she was great. And so was she, Richard she's Grant. a pretty great actress, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check that out. That that's that's the one to uh, to go to for the publishing business, and it was funny because uh, there were two movies: The Wife and uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Colette. There's, there were two movies that were about uh, the husbands taking credit for their wives' uh, writing. In Colette, her husband took credit for the writing, and in The Wife, I thought, boy, how about that? for a coincidence that in, in one, in the same year, you have two movies that are dealing with the same thing. Well, kind of Klansman and green book were almost the same. They're both based on true stories, but they were almost the same story really. Yeah. So that's, that's an accident, but it's, it's, it's really about the zeitgeist and how people, how ideas kind of bubble up to the surface. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Always uh, happens. And often, it happens yeah, to happens. writers too. Like I'm sure you, you've written on spec 
And whenever you're working on something, that movie or something similar almost always comes out. You know, that is very true. And my, my solution to that is to make, to make your thing weirder than the one that's coming out. <laughs> well, that's why I, I try not to look at other things when I'm working on something, because I want it to be, you know, right out of me, because how could somebody, how could somebody replicate that, you know? And I figure if you just, if you dive in whatever you're working on and just make it as true to you as you can and to work the way when you're inside, when you're inside the idea and you're working through the problems and you're working just however you work it out has to be the right way because nobody's going to have that perspective. So to me, sometimes outside influences are such a distraction. Well, you know, that's why, I mean, not to harp on this, but that's why living in Los Angeles is such a distraction. When I moved away, I, I, I did a lot more work after I, I didn't live there because the, the ambient noise is so loud. Well, and also your, your exposure to people and things has that realm. And like when you get outside of L.A., uh, like you said, you see, you know, other, other ways people live. And that's more than just Hollywood, of course. Yeah. But it, but it is amazing how many movies and TV shows have that influence because people can't, writers can't help themselves. That's what they see all day long. Right. Well... Yeah, it, it's it. There's a there. If you listen to too much, there's a million reasons to stop you from writing what you're writing. So you just can't. You just got to blot it out. Yeah. So you might as well just. It doesn't matter where you are. Just put yourself in a small four by four room and shut the door. That's right. Every day, and then once in a while, I'd go out and breathe and travel and and you know get some inspiration somewhere. But it is amazing, like how. I, are you still writing uh, screenplays? Yeah, I'm, I'm just finishing one now. Is it an assignment or a spec? No, I'm writing it on spec. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I, th I had an idea, and I just didn't feel like it lent itself to a book. And I thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll just do this. And I had it in my mind for a while, and then I decided to sit down and write it. I'm almost done with it. So I, I kind of I I went back on what on every, all my protestations about not ever wanting to be in the movie business again. <laughs> I have to ask, is it live action or animation? No, it's, it's, uh, it's actually a combination. Okay. Good. So you build on your brand. My brand. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked to have not done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The brand, the brand business, that, that's a killer. You know, when people type, type you in there for doing that stuff and then, but, and that's, we, do, we do that to ourselves too, you know, and, you know, it's funny because I, when I started, I started in commercials and I st actually started in film school and everything I did was comedy and I just love comedy. And as soon as I, and I didn't, my early directing was comedy too. And as soon as I started writing, I never wrote anything funny, maybe because I'm not funny, but um, I, I really was drawn to thrillers and suspense and, I just couldn't help myself. It's just, that's what I was drawn to. I wasn't trying, you know, consciously to build a brand. I just, it's what I like to read and what I like to, uh, you know, write. So I just did it. Well, yeah, unfortunately you, you do get typecasted in the movie business. If you've done one thing, then that, that's it. Yeah. It takes, it takes a lot to steer the boat away. And, you know, my partner and I, we wrote a lot of different things that were not 
uh, Balls Out. Well, they were not like kid comedies. And even Roger Rabbit, we never intended for children. But, you know, we, we couldn't get we couldn't get any purchase with uh, some of our more our, our weirder ideas or the ones that were, you know, not mainstream or part of a uh, part of a chain like uh, the Shrek movies. Or, well, the Grinch was you know, we, we, we couldn't turn that down. So anyway, what there you go. Yeah. Are you still writing with your writing partner? Uh, no, we're not. We're, you know, best friends, but we, we, you know, we don't write together anymore. Yeah. And that's a different experience too. Well, in the comedy business, it's good because you have someone, you always have someone else in the room to try your material out on. Yeah. It's really bad when you're laughing at your own jokes. Yeah. That can be, it's not only bad, but it can be dangerous. It could be wrong. It could be. It could be so wrong. It could be so wrong for many reasons, and not funny. Yeah, we we always had an agreement that we would we never argued. If the other guy didn't laugh at something, we did not argue. Say this is really funny. We never did that. So we took that off, and I think that was part of a reason why we had success. We worked with each other for about thirty years, but we we never pushed an idea on the other guy. If if it. The other guy didn't like it. That was it. We didn't. We didn't go forward with it. You know, we didn't try to, you know, browbeat the guy into accepting it. Right. Right. Well, it's it's a it's a difficult uh, partnership, sort of like marriage. Well, it is a marriage. Yeah. Everybody always says that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know what? It doesn't really prepare you for real marriage. <laughs> as much and, as, and, and marriage doesn't prepare you for writing either. No. So, so that's why that cliche is, is really erroneous. You know, I heard that from so many studio people. They'd say, you know, your partnership is like a marriage. And we go, yeah, yeah, I guess it's like a marriage. But it really, it really is not like a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's a relationship of, of sorts. It's just, it's, just a, it's a relationship. <laughs> it's a dysfunctional relationship. Yeah, right. But, but uh, that's neat. Well, it's uh, it's been great talking to you, and um, stay warm. I bet it's uh, about thirty below there. We actually, it's it's a, it was forty five degrees here and sunny. Oh, really? We, you know, we don't in southwestern Colorado. We don't get that cold weather. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, there's skiing and everything. I can see it out my window. But yeah, it's, Chicago is the bad place. Yeah, it was really. That's where my family still is, and. Uh, I think it was like thirty or forty below yesterday. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it's uh, pretty frightening. I remember there was this uh, there was this parka that everybody used to get at Eddie Bowers, and you know when Eddie Bowers was a true expedition company, not like a place that makes jeans and you know chinos and t-shirts. Uh, there was this big parka that almost everyone in Chicago would get to walk down the street, you know, in, in the wintertime. And uh, I guess they've, they've been taking those things out again. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody looks like a big puffball. Yeah. It, it's, bru- it's brutal. I remember some of those winters. They are just unbelievable. I'm yeah, still flying you, out 20 years well, later. You know, you know something's wrong when your nose hair is frozen. Yeah. It's, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs>